0: Out of the gates and ready to go. Outkick 360 underway. Tuesday edition. Armando Salguero will join us in 20 minutes. We'll hit the free agency headlines with Armando from Outkick.com. John McClain also with us today. He'll join us in hour two. And Kurt Schilling host of the Curt Schilling Baseball Show. Uh, You can check out right now at outkick.com. He will be with us in hour three. Chad, good afternoon. Ready to get after it?
1: I am ready to go, Hutton. Always excited to be here with you on a Tuesday. I've I've
0: long said Tuesday is my favorite day of the week. Yes. So
1: I think everybody else out there feels the same way as I do. So let's rock and roll.
0: Favorite day and a topic that will, again, start with the University of Alabama, this time with Nick Saban and Tony Mitchell, the five-star freshman suspended after he was arrested, half a pound of weed in the car with him and a passenger. The passenger in the car was had a concealed firearm and they reached upwards of 140 miles per hour as they evaded police, initially trying to pull the vehicle over for driving 78 in a 55. And well, Nick Saban responded with this.
1: Tony Mitchell has been suspended from the team Uh, on all team activities until we gather more information about the situation and what his legal circumstance is. And, um, you know, I mean, guys, everybody's got an opportunity to make choices and decisions. There's no such thing in being at the wrong place at the wrong time. You got to be responsible for who you're with, who you're around and what you do, who you associate yourself with and, uh, the situations that you put yourself in. So, um, it is what it is, but uh, there is, you know, cause and effect when you make, you know, choices and decisions that uh, put you in bad situations.
0: So, um... so there's Nick Saban, who runs the athletic department at the University of Alabama, saying there is no such thing as wrong place, wrong time. And in this case, there is no defense for evading police, driving 141 miles per hour in Holmes County, Florida, having $7,000 cash, uh, charged with uh, possession distribution and of course evading police in this as they were trying to pull him over for speeding um chad how can you not listen to nick saban and think of the way nate oates handled the brandon miller situation where brandon miller uh returned to a returned to the strip in tuscaloosa to deliver the gun to darius miles at his request um that ended up being used in the murder of jamia harris that is the exact opposite response that uh we heard from Saban here, and Sabin knows what he's saying with that. Wrong place, wrong time is the initial reaction that Eight Notes had to apologize for in his defense for Brandon Miller, who was literally just named freshman of the year for the country in college basketball. There
1: was no coincidence here in the choice of words that Nick Saban used. Look, Nick Saban, the only time I can remember in his career that he ever had to apologize for anything he said was when he was on the uh, the rubber chicken circuit and spoke out against Jimbo Fisher paying guys to go there, and then that blew up. And he later said, "I you know misspoke, I poor choice of words, called to apologize." To Jimbo Fisher. Outside of that, Nick Saban doesn't apologize for anything, and he chooses his words carefully. So when Nick Saban drops a line in the middle of this whole thing and says, "There's no such thing as wrong time, wrong wrong place, wrong time, whatever." That's not a mistake. He is responding directly to Nate Oates. I don't care what anyone else says about this. Nick Saban is no dummy. He saw Nate Oates' terrible press conference initially about this. One, by the way, that Nate Oates had to apologize for after the fact because it blew up in his face. Nick Saban has read. He's heard. He's seen what has been said about Alabama's athletic department, which, as Hutton said, he runs. He is basically the AD. Not basically. He is the athletic director at Alabama. Everything will be deferred to Nick Saban on all decisions. So when Nick Saban sees his university and his athletic department challenged because of something dumb that the basketball coach did and the basketball coach said, guess what Nick Saban does? He comes out and he gives the blanket statement about his program. And in his program, there's no such thing as wrong place, wrong time. If you tell me that's a coincidence, I'm not buying it. Nick Saban's not dumb. He uses words and chooses them carefully. He knew exactly what he was doing when he said that line.
0: Yes. Uh, He also said, you're responsible for your actions. That was not the case, uh, Chad, as we watched Neyland stadium after Alabama uh, was trying to get off the field as they, the Tennessee fans stormed the field. Um, Saban did not have his team uh, responsible for their actions that night.
1: Yeah, his idea of wrong place, wrong time was the young woman who got slapped upside the head. Yeah, she was in the wrong place, the wrong so, time because she was illegally on the field after storming the field. That's what Nick Saban would say about that. But
0: in this case, he
1: does talk out of both sides of his mouth. He does not have the best track record when it comes to player discipline. But I also think that he would have handled the Brandon Miller situation I do different. Too. But, and I think that's what he's saying.
0: So in the basketball with with Miller, they are pointing to. No charges for Miller. Um, and in the situation of Nate Oates, his initial response of wrong place, wrong time meant he was there at the scene when something went down. And that was it. That, that's what was the implication. In this case with Tony Mitchell, um, he's driving 141 miles per hour. He's the guy behind the wheel. The passenger had the concealed firearm. Uh, they find half a pound of weed, $7,000 cash, and the intent to sell uh, and distribute. That was in the police report. But the the idea that Nick Saban is saying you're responsible for your actions and poor choices, that was the entire storyline with Brandon Miller where Chad and I sat here and said, you don't have to kick him off the team. Discipline action need to be taken though based on what happened that night on or the early morning hours of January 15th in Tuscaloosa and nothing happened even after they found out new information about the text regarding return to the scene uh, from, from Darius Miles, who is one of two charged with capital murder in this case down in Alabama. Point being, the, the suspension here of Tony Mitchell, compared to the way the basketball program handled Brandon Miller, who's about to tip off in the Sweet 16, uh, complete 180. And I think it speaks volumes that Saban is coming over the top, saying these things specifically in response as Alabama is about to begin spring practice, or just has. They started yesterday. And Nate Oates in Alabama, they're in the Sweet 16. It's not just a coincidence.
1: It's not just coincidence. also two different things in terms of legal ramifications. Right. I mean, you've but got, the, but the you've got one player who has been arrested on multiple charges. That's
0: what I said. And saying. so he said he's yeah. got
1: to face all the legal ramifications. But
0: wrong place, wrong time. It, he doesn't believe in it. And he's also saying you're responsible for your poor choices, and so in this case of Tony Mitchell, he's saying that all of it was on the guy that was in the passenger seat. He's the guy that told him to pound it, meaning hit it, press the accelerator. Let's go. Get it up to 141. It's time to get out of here.
1: Now, I'll, let me also state that if Nick Saban does not suspend him for multiple games to start the next season, if he comes back and they work out a deal and, you know, something happens where he's not mm-hmm. going to jail or facing serious criminal charges, he says, oh, well, we disciplined him in the offseason – He's not missing any game time. I will crush Nick Saban because he's once again talking out of both sides of his mouth. I crushed him over the Jermaine Burton lack of any discipline that he had. So Nick Saban's no innocent choir boy here when it comes to giving passes to players that can help him, and I'm not claiming he is, but he is right in what he's saying about this player, and he's right to attack Nate Oates in what he's saying because what Nate Oates said was completely ludicrous, and he had to apologize for it, and... I do believe that Nick Saban, like I believe 98% of coaches in America, would have suspended Brandon Miller for some set of time. I think different coaches would have handled it differently. There are plenty that would have kicked him off the team. There are a bunch that would have suspended him for 10 games. There are some that would go five, three, two, whatever. They would have taken action. But I am here to tell you the vast majority of coaches, ones that I've talked to, have said, If that situation happened, you remove the kid from the program for the time until you get all the facts. He's going to miss at least a few games at minimum. And Nate Oates suspended Brandon Miller for zero games, zero time, not one half of basketball did he miss. And that is where Alabama completely missed the boat in this story. And I think Nick Saban is making up for that a little bit by saying his side
0: of what he believes with stories like this. And the, the side story that I'm reading into is 141 miles per hour. And I, I, the Alabama connection makes me think of Henry Ruggs. He was driving 156 in Las Vegas. Two separate incidents, of course. Uh, but in the case of the, the the speeds that these guys, I think of Georgia with Jalen Carter that we were talking about late, late last month. Chandler LaCroix, a member of the uh, staff at Georgia, was killed. Um, and, and Devin Willock killed in that in that car crash. They were driving 104 miles per hour and we we know in the case of Carter, he was driving next to them in a car issued through name image likeness, the car that crashed that reached 104 miles per hour was that that was a, a, a issued car through the university that uh, Lacroix didn't have authority to be driving at that specific time. But the uh, the miles per hour here, the speeds I can't ignore that guys are just taking off. And I mean, yeah, the, the wrecks I... are happening, bad things are happening with the, the speed. And, and I would also say like, should there be some type of regulation? And we, we discussed this too, of uh, of name image likeness car deals, what it could be, because in the, in the case of, of Carter, he's in a track hawk, that's all souped up too. Um, but I mean, they were also driving the university issued car for the coaching staff.
1: Yeah, I don't know that it's an NIL issue. It's, look, I mean, what's the the solution to this? I don't know.
0: Yeah, again. So they
1: would say, okay, well, you know, the kid would normally be, you know, in a 1991 Grand Am and it doesn't go as fast or whatever their parents gave them. And now they're getting brand new cars that go faster. I mean, I I understand
0: that argument. And I'm also not dumb enough to believe, like, I understand before NIL – there were five star guys around campus, of course, driving souped up of cars. Course. So this isn't new.
1: I've talked about meeting Albert Haynesworth at Tennessee. And he had a brand new Ford Expedition when he was a freshman from South Carolina that he was driving around and showing everyone in the dorms, right? That was walking by his brand new. This app, this happened for years. Um, I just there's no there's no good solution to this other than don't do dumb bleep. You get better driver's ed classes, better parenting at home. You know it's unsafe to drive over 100 miles per hour. The same thing our parents would tell us growing up. And I mean, most cars
0: go fast. I know, and specifically Some go a Georgia, lot I, mean, faster, I drove a lot fast quicker. once, and I, I was terrified after I did it. But yeah, uh, and specifically in Georgia, they are trying to crack down and, and penalize a hefty penalty moving forward on racing like this. So uh, it it it's becoming a a storyline worth keeping up with and spreading the message of whatever they're doing. Uh, about a you know weekend night at two o'clock in the morning when the the, the light turns green, this is uh, again like in and, and in the case of of uh Mitchell down in Florida, the five star corner for for saving i mean that's where you see the blue lights and you hit it harder. It's a little bit different there, and he's paying the price for it and there's just no solution other than make better choices, yeah. Because I, these cars are going
1: to be, now, do you put a governor on them? I mean, this isn't a golf cart. You know, we're not yeah, on a golf be. course, and you can go, well, now you can only go 75 with this NIL car that we yeah. provided for you from Jonathan Hutton uh, Buick Chevrolet, <laughs> you know, down the road from Tuscaloosa. There's just not no the way around it other than, you know, kids who are making dumb decisions are getting really nice things at a young age, and they don't know how to handle it.
0: Chad, back to uh, basketball. Uh Well, there are previous champions, and then there's the field of the Sweet 16. Four previous champs, UCLA, UConn, Arkansas, and Michigan State, and the field. I'm taking the field here with Alabama and Houston at the top of my list, but you really like UConn and the odds on the Huskies. Yeah, of that group of four, I like UConn the most of what I've seen
1: so far. But I'm with you, Hutton. If I had to pick, I'm taking the field that has not won one before because Alabama, who I still believe will win it, who I picked from the beginning. I think Houston now with Marcus Sasser healthy has a chance. I like Texas. I like their scoring depth and what they bring to the table. Um, Tennessee is now the Vegas favorite to go to the Final Four out of the East. They're, they're the favorite to get through that, uh, that quadrant and get to the Final Four. So I don't like Tennessee's chances of winning at all. But I'm taking Alabama, Houston, Texas, Gonzaga in that group. Mm -hmm. And the two strongest, I think, that are left of the teams that have won one, give me UCLA and UConn of those two. But I love that four-pack I just mentioned of that other group, which is Alabama, Houston, Gonzaga, Texas. One of those four winning it. it.
0: Yeah, I I like the field there. And I like the parity of this tournament. Again, 11 conferences represented in the Sweet 16 Chad, do you think the parity helps ratings moving forward uh, like the parity helped certainly the first round of the postseason?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was an all-time record for NCAA tournament first round. Over 9 million people on average were watching games uh, over the weekend. Over 11.5 million people tuned in to the end of Fairley Dickinson's upset of Purdue. Compare this to, let's stay in basketball, to the NBA. Mm-hmm. It's about 6.8 million people on average watched the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. So almost 5 million more people watched Fairleigh Dickinson and Purdue on a Friday night. Not exactly ideal television conditions most of the time on a Friday evening. Over 2.2 million more people on average were watching the NCAA tournament. This is a great lesson for the NBA. Load management doesn't cut it. What's going on with personalities at times, the NBA does not cut it. America loves their drama on the court, and they love the do-or-die nature of the NCAA tournament. They love that they can turn on a game and see the emotion with players, coaches, fans in the stands, and they can feel it. I think that is the huge benefit of this tournament and why people tune in, and now why people are tuning in in record numbers to this tournament. Now, will this continue for the next weekend? No. Why? Because America loves to hate Duke, Kentucky, Kansas blue bloods matter. Second weekend of the tournament, Final Four especially, blue bloods matter. They're gone outside of UCLA, so I do think that the ratings will suffer for this next weekend. And that, I may that be wrong. Traditionally,
0: has been true in yeah. the Final Four specifically. I just think that now that when we're Butler and teams have made a run. The
1: first weekend, we want Princeton, we want Fairleigh Dickinson, we want you know these teams that pull the big upset. We want Furman. And then by the time the second weekend gets here, when you get to those Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday games, Sweet 16, Elite 8, what do you want? You want one versus four seed. (laughs) You want two versus three. You want blue bloods in the mix. You want power name programs that are going head-to-head. Typically from a viewership standpoint, I'm not talking about every individual fan wants the same teams every year. I don't think that's good for the sport if it's always the same teams. But you do want more brand recognition With big-time college basketball teams. Michigan State, the biggest brand left? UCLA. I would go UCLA as the biggest. I mean, Texas is the biggest brand brand, but not in basketball. I would go in order. UCLA, Texas, Michigan State. I mean, honestly, in basketball. I'm saying just basketball. Gonzaga is right up there in terms of brand. I mean, the rest of them, I was watching Texas-Penn State, and I kept thinking, damn, this would be a great matchup in early September, (laughs) right? That's just such a football matchup. I'm like, let's get these two teams on the gridiron. I I hear Texas-Penn State, the last thing I'm thinking of is a second-round NCAA tournament game wherever the hell they played that game. I'm thinking football. between. I'm, I'm seeing the longhorn in the helmet, and I'm seeing a solid white helmet with a navy blue stripe going down the middle. When I think of Texas-Penn State, you got some big-time football brands that are left. Tennessee, Alabama, Texas, Miami. That's interesting to me. I don't think basketball when I think Miami. Miami women's team last night pulled off a huge upset, knocking off number one seed Indiana pretty much at the buzzer. So there's some powerful football brands that are left also. But basketball-wise, Hutton, I'm going UCLA, UCLA, Gonzaga, Michigan State, UConn, if I'm just thinking basketball.
0: I think, Michigan State before them right now, based on the consistency we've seen from Izzo. It's his month. month. Consistency,
1: but has not won it all in 23 years. Consistently solid, surprising runs the final four at times, but has not won a national title since 2000.
0: Um, You mentioned the football brands. We'll talk football when we return. Armando Salguero about to join us. We'll dive into the headlines of the week, including some free agent signings, Jalen Ramsey and the trade to Miami and what Ramsey had to say in response to Armando on social media and we'll discuss Rodgers the NFL owners meetings just around the corner could there be light at the end of the tunnel with this trade to the Jets this is Outkick 360. So, Chad, whenever the trade was announced, or I shouldn't say announced, it was announced officially last Wednesday, Jalen Ramsey to the Dolphins. They had just also signed a safety, so they announced Jalen Ramsey as a safety through the team Twitter account. And Armando, like us, caught it We're like, safety, huh? Armando Salguero joins us from outkick.com. And um, Armando, Jalen Ramsey responded with what?
2: Uh, he responded to me saying he's a cornerback and not to worry about it by saying I'm a defensive back. Oh um, And I responded to him, let's see about that at the end of the year where you actually play for the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> and uh, and no beef. He and I had a chat offline. We're good. Everything's good um so you know you media always making a mountain out of a molehill you you reporter types
0: the team announced it was a safety i mean we've seen quarters make the move before but they're not giving up what they gave up to bring in ramsey uh and 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 the quarterback tandem that they now have with both uh ramsey and howard uh best in the league best tandem in the league
2: I would find uh, I would be hard pressed to find a better tandem in the league. I know the the Ravens have you know they they fancy themselves very strong at cornerback. By the way, back to Jalen Ramsey a a minute in the cornerback issue. When the Dolphins greeted Jalen Ramsey at their facility, the guy that gave him the tour was Xavier Howard. Okay. Yep. it wasn't you know Javon Holland it wasn't uh it wasn't one of the safeties. it was the other cornerback
0: yeah and they will be defending at least in camp solid wide receiver play too uh, and they pick up the fifth year option for TuA officially something that you mentioned over a month ago that they were going to be doing um the the investment there, what 24 25 million dollars and when you start to look at the 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 contracts around the league that's extremely afford- affordable and you get to figure out if he's your guy or not by doing this instead of giving him the extension now
2: right so the you know it's a comfort level for the dolphins that they have for the moment um i'm going to wonder how comfortable it will be later on this offseason come you know july yeah but by, by the and by that time you will figure that Joe Burrow will have gotten an extension from the Cincinnati Bengals and Justin Herbert will have gotten an extension from the Los Angeles Chargers and I'm not sure that the Dolphins are going to give to a, a a full on you know contract extension when they have, the luxury of being able to just watch and see and still have him under contract for 2024. You can you can visit that extension talk after the twenty-three season if you want, when Tua has proven or not that he is durable and he can, you know, start 17 games for the team.
1: So Mike Florio is reporting that Lamar Jackson is ready to quote, move on from the Baltimore Ravens, and also reporting that he does not want, he's not seeking a guaranteed money contract throughout. He's not seeking a fully guaranteed contract in this whole deal. Best as you can tell right now, Armando, I'm looking down, I'm looking at Vegas odds of where he's going to play next year. It's the Ravens followed by the Tennessee Titans at number two uh, on the list. I, I Every day I have a harder time figuring out exactly what's going on and how this thing is going to end.
2: Yeah, and for good reason, because you got a lot of reports from unnamed sources. And by the way, uh, that pro football talk report is uh, of a so-called representative who is acting as an agent, but isn't actually an agent. Who is supposedly doing that, reportedly doing that, that is not allowed. The NFL has told teams, you know, not to negotiate with such people, not to really deal with such people. So it's interesting that there's so much detail. If you're saying that he has told teams this and that, the suggestion is that the teams are listening. Um, I will say this, as far as Lamar Jackson is concerned, okay? let me let me share something with you guys that might explain the reason that there hasn't been, you know a handful of teams that have stepped out and said, Lamar, let's le- let's talk, let's do this. There are only three quarterbacks in NFL history who have run the ball as much as Lamar Jackson, okay? Michael Vick had five 100-carry seasons, Uh, only did this uh, once in his nine years. Cam Newton, who, by the way, was throwing today at Auburn, he had eight uh, 100-carry seasons. He was basically done by the age of 31. Lamar Jackson has five 100-carry seasons already. What are the odds that he plays out a five-year contract without any sort of injury? Given the fact that also the last two years he's he's failed to complete both years, has missed eleven games. The point being that if you're going to sign a player like this, the last thing you probably want to do is give him. Huge guaranteed money because he cannot promise you in return guaranteed durability. And the history is that players like Mike Vick, who played nine seasons as a starter, Cam Newton done by 31, and Lamar Jackson already hurt the last two years, and at 27 years old, likely isn't going to make it to the end of a five-year contract That's fully guaranteed.
0: But I mean, based on, by the way, is it St. Omni who's who's repping Lamar? Do we know St. Omni is the guy who is not cleared through the NFLPA and uh, the league sent out a memo saying for teams not to answer the phone from him because he also negotiated Roquan Smith and that from the Bears to uh, the Ravens. He is the guy who leaked the information for the Laramie Tunsil yeah, uh, contract extension. And he
1: was representing Laramie Tunsil in some capacity, well, right? That's Laramie what Tunsil
0: represents himself, but St. Omni this leaked it him. to Rappaport. And I, if, if St. Omni is involved in the Lamar Jackson discussion, that has cranked up a bit in terms of a little drama. Is this guy like the AAU coach of agents instead of the high school coach? <laughs> I mean, who is St. Omni?
2: Well, I can tell you that he definitely helped Laramie Tunsil and Laramie Tunsil is now the highest paid left tackle in the NFL at an average of twenty five million dollars a year. He just signed a three year, seventy five million dollar contract with like sixty six million dollars of it guaranteed. <laughs> so uh, what whoever and whatever this guy does and and who he is, it works for some of these guys. I don't know that he is connected to Lamar Jackson or not.
0: Yeah, same. But, but if I if Lamar's rep, repping himself and now we're we're hearing this from from Florio. I'm, I'm curious about that because he's resurfaced uh, and, and to my knowledge, he hasn't been certified through the PA, uh, but I guess the, the players haven't either um, Armando Salguero with us from outkick.com. Uh, I'm curious, though, Chad mentioned the Titans for Lamar. What about the Colts? The Colts have also been mentioned now. And in in terms of predictable or not, I would put the Colts pretty high on the list of what they may or may not do in the draft. And to this point, they haven't done anything in free agency.
2: Right. Uh, You know, outside of, they're going to get, you know, get rid of Matt Ryan.
0: Yeah. They brought uh, in Minshew. Yeah.
2: Right. And so those two teams make a lot of sense. We, we kind of understand that Ryan Tannehill is a solid quarterback, but he's not going to win you a Super Bowl. So if your desire is to compete for Super Bowls, you, you probably are better off with a quarterback that at least there's a question whether he can get you there or not. And it suggests something that might happen. I would say to you that Lamar fits very well in the Titans offense and philosophy, because what are they doing? They don't want to turn the ball over. They want to run the ball. They want to be physical. They want to pound you. Mm -hmm. And obviously Lamar Jackson is able to do that. Not necessarily the pound you part, but he is, he is very good. Uh, not turning the ball over typically. Um, He's thrown, by the way, fewer interceptions in his first 77 games than Tom Brady did Hmm. by like 20. So uh, Lamar Jackson does take care of the rock. It is an idea, but there are other ideas as well.
0: So uh, Cam Newton, does he have a point when he says he's better than some of the quarterbacks that are currently in the NFL?
2: Well, yeah, some of the quarterbacks that are in the NFL, we well, said there, uh, are, there are
0: 32 starters better than him.
2: Right, starters um, hmm. I I mean, who's who's he better than? Um, you know, uh, Cam Newton was a very dynamic player when he was a a, an a able to get out of the pocket when he was a dual threat. Now he's a dual threat quarterback that only has one threat. And That one threat, the last time I saw in 2021, was it? He short hopped. I mean, the dude was the master of the, you know, 60 foot curveball. It was (laughs) a lot of short hops, a lot of, oh, my bad, you know, the, my bad on me. It was a lot of that. And I think teams decided Yeah, the footwork, the legs are gone, and the injuries have piled up.
0: Okay, and and maybe this is unfair, but I I think the the mentality would be Cam needs to come in as a backup. He's going to be 34 at the start of the season, and if things don't go well, the media talks to him, and he's going to declare himself the starter, and it's going to cause some friction there. Is that kind of the vibe with him, that he's not willing to stick around and be a backup guy?
2: Well, he wants notice he said 32 starters better than me. He didn't say 32 quarterbacks because I would argue that there are some, you know, quarterbacks in the NFL that you go, wow, uh, are we really that desperate for for quarterback talent? Um, And maybe he has a point there, regardless of what his injury history has been of late and what his, you know, short hop prowess has been of late. But 32 starters is what he said, which tells you where his mindset is. And gentlemen, I'm not a big ego guy, but I've been around a lot of big ego guys. Um, And it is hard when when certain players aren't the same guys anymore for them to actually admit it. It's hard for them to admit it even when the tape says, dude, you're not that guy anymore.
1: Armando, was it the least surprising news ever when you saw that Roger Goodell was going to receive a multi-year extension (laughs) and, and, and stay on as NFL commissioner?
2: Yeah. Uh, no, it, it was not a big surprise. It was in fact the most expected thing ever. And I kind of agree with it. I mean, why change at this point Uh, there? So Roger Goodell has, has definitely steered the NFL left. In other words, he has embraced some things that um, a certain portion of the population definitely loves. And another portion of the population doesn't appreciate all that much. That aside, the NFL is the biggest business, the biggest attraction, uh, I believe, of the top 50 television programs in the last, not year, but like five years, 49 are NFL games or NFL events. And so what has he done that that merits, you know, some sort of uh, – departure. I I don't see it. Owners are not dumb. They're good business people. Having said that, it's not going to be free reign for Roger Goodell either. It's going to be incentive laden and it's going to be continue to perform Roger Goodell. You've done a great job. Kudos to you. Keep doing it.
0: And I I checked yesterday uh, in terms of pay, if you want to see where Goodell is compared to the other big commissioners of the major sports, I mean, there's a vast difference. He, he's getting somewhere between 65 million to 70 million a year. At, at, it was uh, Adam Silver, uh, again, this is a Google search, he's getting around 20. I mean, there's a big gap there between number one and number two, and the success level as well.
2: Of course. Look, look like we mentioned, the NBA finals, whenever those come around, alert me because I yeah. won't really know otherwise. Uh, when the NFBA finals come around, game one, game two, game three and game four will draw about the same as, you know, an average Sunday NFL playoff game. So and and it it's not equal to a Super Bowl. It's never going to be equal to a Super Bowl.
0: Final thing for you, NFL owners' meetings coming up. Is that yeah. is that where the Rodgers trade actually happens?
2: I wouldn't be surprised if the Rodgers thing goes until just prior to the draft, because that is really... You know, the, the NFL is a deadline league, and teams feel a little bit of urgency when the, when a deadline comes up. And that is when... The Green Bay Packers are looking at the idea that, hey, um, if we don't get this done now, we're not getting a draft pick this year. So maybe we need to do something now. Meanwhile, the Jets are going to be looking at, hey, um, if we wait until next year, yeah, we get to keep all our picks this year. But if we're as good as what we say we're going to be, the picks next year, yeah, eh, eh, I don't know. Let's, let's get these out here. Let, let's trade, you know, let's get this done kind of thing.
0: The nation also wants it done. Armando, Sel- Armando too, he's been on Roger's <laughs> watch for the last, well, months. You know, month or months, I should say. Every, yeah, probably two or three months now. Armando's been on uh, Aaron Roger's watch. The watch throughout. continues. It does, yes. Armando, thank you as always. We'll catch you up soon. And who knows? Maybe we'll have Roger's news the next time we talk.
2: Hey guys, and one more thing as to the next year. Yep. When the picks for the Jets are lessened, that means the the Green Bay Packers will ask for more, not less. That's the point I was yeah. in artfully trying to make.
0: Well, yeah, the 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 number of picks and the quality of those selections uh go up in the the asking price. Mm-hmm. Outkick.com is where you can find Armando. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. Coming up, Chad, we have the Cinderella, who made the run. The big upset of Purdue for Fairleigh Dickinson. Now they have to make a run at a new coach. Details next, and now K360. It pays to be a Cinderella in the NCAA tournament. Tobin Anderson, he is headed to Iona to replace Rick Pitino from Fairley Dickinson to Iona. Um, a five-year contract, the report, first by John Rothstein. Alk 360 rolls on. Uh, solid job. And you knock off Purdue, the biggest upset of the tournament. And Chad, you turn around, you replace Rick Pitino. Big shoes to fill there. But the trajectory is perfect uh, for, for Tobin Anderson because he goes from St. Thomas Aquinas to Fairleigh Dickinson and now Iona with a chance to pick up where Patino has left off, which is NCAA tournament expectations, and a chance to climb the ladder in coaching. That guy talks faster
1: than anyone I've ever encountered in my life. I cannot understand a word he's saying when he did his interviews. He Man. is the fastest-talking guy. I mean, he sounds like he is on speed
0: nonstop when he speaks. Just the, he's got to slow down some. But he's, he's overall head coaching record from his, uh, he was the head coach at Clarkson, Hamilton, Siena, St. Thomas Aquinas, and, and Fairley Dickinson. 414 and 206. Solid. And now he has a chance to, again, the, the, the ladder is available for him now. So I just looked up Shaheen Holloway, who's at Seton Hall, to see
1: how he did in year one yeah. after moving up from St. Peter's in their run a year ago to the Elite Eight. They went 17-16, and 16, lost to Colorado in the first round of the NIT, it looks like. Um, I'm just trying to compare that to you know what are the reasonable expectations. This is not Seton Hall. This is Iona. Seton Hall is a bigger program than, than Iona. But it is always fascinating to me the March darling that immediately gets the call up. And we have seen a very much a mixed bag of results from that coach once they get the call up because they're in the spotlight for a time in March. At one point, Bruce Pearl was was that coach at Milwaukee. And we see what he's done through his career now where he's doing very well at Auburn and even got them to a Final Four. So it'll be fun to follow. That 360 dunk at the end of the FAU-FDU game, we asked Dan Dockage about it yesterday. He has no problem with it, which surprised me. I, I hated it. I hated it. I understand if you're the FDU coach, you have conceded the game. Yeah. At that point, and the guy takes off and does that, and you're watching it, you're already frustrated. He let that frustration boil over, and he really got into it uh, with Dusty May, the head coach at FAU, during the handshake line. And I could tell Dusty May during the postgame interview was agitated still about that. But he said he's like, yeah, you know, we'll we'll handle it. I told him we need to be the adults about it here. I'll handle it with my guy, and I apologize to him. I apologize to him, to the coaches about what happened. But I'll talk to my guy about it. So uh, that was a fun little moment, though, at the end of a game that you know otherwise who, was
0: over. Who are you hearing for Providence? It's a good question. Kim English is is someone that popped up. Yeah, that's, but a, media, that's a Rick Barnes me- guy. Yeah, media is talking about him. And so I mean, Providence is doing this. Uh, they they know what it feels like to end a tournament or be in the tournament and then move on from a coach or a coach takes a bigger job. Ed Cooley's now going to Georgetown. Rick Barnes was the head coach at Providence. Rick Patino was the head coach at Providence. Uh, Pete Gillen, I think, left for Virginia for Providence. Providence has
1: been a great you know launching pad for a lot of coaches. Ed, Ed Cooley is now you in yeah. Georgetown and most recently. And he'll be
0: introduced recently. tomorrow. And, and so in, in that but see, that order, would have been the
1: Shaheen Holloway step up. Right. That's the same level. Yep. Now, Shaheen Holloway was a star point guard. At Seton Hall, so it's a little bit different. He's an alum, but if Tobin Anderson made that leap, that would have been even more fun to follow to see how he would do at that level in the Big East at Providence.
0: So uh, Ed Cooley, that's a good program. A, a lot of the the media covering Providence, they're saying that what Ed Cooley wanted uh, was a chance to the, the DC area, just a bigger area, in the Georgetown programs legit. But he doesn't. He's not going to be swarmed when he goes out to dinner now. I've heard that. A couple of times over the last 24 hours, I didn't know that was such an issue at Providence. I, I, I know it's it is the thing, but I didn't know the coach couldn't walk downtown uh, without being swarmed uh, the way that you know. I guess he's made it out to be behind the scenes with the media members calling him up from the tournament and who he's talked with in person. I wonder if the Brown
1: coach also gets swarmed when I he goes out to I dinner because you know it's a multi-college town there in Providence. Providence is a beautiful little town. It's a mini Boston. Uh, this shocks me though that the head basketball coach That's of Providence is complaining about being mobbed at dinner well, when they, he goes out of the in pluses, the city of Providence.
0: One of the pluses is you know you get to go to dinner and not be not be swarmed. <laughs> heard Jeff Goodman say that. I was like, what? That's Providence a is
1: a very underrated program. I've been up there for a the oh, tournament. Yeah, and that arena, the I, it may still be it was the Dunkin' Donuts Center. I think it's the Dunkin' Donuts Arena. Yeah, but it's a cool little venue. Uh, the all-black seats in there to match the, the Providence colors. It's
0: a really cool spot, and they, they love their basketball there. There's no doubt about it. Um, I love this Amazon delivery guy. So Amazon's about to lay off 9,000 jobs. This guy's not going to be one of them. Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, there's a police stakeout or a standoff going on, and the guy just walks in and delivers the package like it's no big deal, uh, doing his job. Rain, shine. Police chase, uh, police standoff. Doesn't matter. Walks right through. Uh, it is a looks like a business or an apartment complex. Walks right through past all of the uh, the police cars, lights on, parked, blocking off a big area with the package. Turns around, walks right back to his delivery truck, and he's on his way.
1: Yeah, is this a case of? You know, you got the the AirPods in, and you're just jamming out to something, and not paying any attention. There is
0: no way you pull up and don't or know something just bad. Happened.
1: Ha- yeah, because you'd also have to have blinders on. No, you wouldn't just be deaf. But it's because also something in your ears. But you'd have to have blinders on.
0: Very relaxed walk, though. Like just It Kind of reminds me
1: of Jacob Swanson, former producer, yeah, the way I agree. he's walking. Yeah, Jacob. His whole demeanor is very Jacob Swanson esque. The mean, way the, he walked the, up the there.
0: The demeanor is like, oh, he knows what he's doing. He's supposed to be here. Jacob Swanson would walk Prime around, around. investigator. Some
1: very aggressive homeless people.
0: (laughs) around this facility before same demeanor just right to work not worried about a thing cam newton is teamless and he's upset about it that's next